0: I am Daniel Leakes and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, no other than Mr. Christopher Blay
1: hello Merry Christmas Happy New Year so, so we're kind of slap bang in the middle of it how are you Daniel
0: I'm fabulous like you Mr Chris yes.
1: good <laughs> glad to hear it thanks for having me back mate
0: yes as you said Merry Christmas and a Happy Christmas. New Year to everyone
1: yeah absolutely. time to be jolly and all that isn't it I hope we are I hope we are yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. Let's talk about the last book of the Voldemort Apocalypse Trilogy.
1: Yes. This will be fun for me, actually, because I've not really spoken about. As I'll, I'll divulge as we go through, this one had quite a short lifespan originally when it was released. Um, so I never really got a chance to talk about it. So, you know, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to dive into it.
0: Definitely. Uh, all Gods
1: and Insects.
0: It's- Yes. What does the title mean?
1: What's the title mean? So um I'll answer it twofold, sort of the meaning behind it and where I got the idea from, I suppose, two separate things. So I guess in terms of the story and the trilogy as a whole of gods and insects, I felt was a perfect title to kind of it wraps up it's it's like two two extreme. If you if you look at the world from far, far away, you've got two entities you got one right at the top you know that is almost like responsible for everything and you've got the the really really small ones that scutter around on the surface so you know I I was kind of for me it encapsulates both because the trilogy is all about it's got a a lot of sort of religious undertones to it and heaven and hell end of the world you know apocalyptic obviously that kind of thing so of gods and insects I found I, I felt symbolized the gods the people sort of that are or the beings as it were that are, were sort of at play in this whole apocalypse that was looking at happening and the insects could be everything else that exists on in the world that was at risk so you know the people it just would we, we are just like insects on the face of the earth or it could be down to actually you know even down to the insects themselves the the, the smallest form of life um that could be affected by what it could be um, the idea for, for the, the title came to me a bit like a, a few of my others have when I was just – I was watching TV at the time, so I grab a lot of my – from songs or TV or films. And this one in particular was um, – I don't know if you know it, there was a TV series out a few years ago called Revenge. Um, it's a fantastic series. I had about four four series, I think, and it's not normally the kind of thing I, I get involved in, um, but there was a character – it was towards the end of the last series, and one of the main characters – he was um, he was having quite a serious discussion with his son, and he said, that "the the world is um, is made up of gods and insects," on the lines of "don't worry yourself with the the peril of one of them" or something like that. I'll have to go back and get the the uh, the original phrase, but it, it just kind of hit me. I thought that is fantastic, you know, a fantastic phrase and a great sort of summing up on the two ends the two the two sides of life almost you know the ones at the top and the ones at the bottom
0: i think it's fantastic indeed thank you <laughs> <laughs> so what is the best highlight that connects Acolytes and the solving season of the gods and insects
1: um so you're starting with the obvious the obvious place obviously this this is the third book it picks up where the other two left off this is, this is what it's all been uh, building towards so you know the last two books have delved into the history of wildermore you know this um this cataclysmic event which had been put in motion um in the late 1600s was now coming to uh coming to fruition almost in uh, around about 2012 so uh, gods and insects does concentrate more on the present day there isn't a lot of Time hopping back in this one, I think I I decided I've told the backstory enough. Um, so you have you know characters like the Reaper, he's obviously still there, um, but as we saw in the sewing season, really, his power is starting to weaken. We are starting to to get an idea that there is there is more powerful being involved. Um, that that is going to come forth in of gods and insects so we are starting to we're not seeing a more human side to the reaper we're just seeing a more vulnerable side to him so it's almost like the, the one who seemed indestructible at the beginning and all of a sudden we're seeing a few chinks in his armor um and the, the other main characters from the other books so from the sewing season we met uh jacob crow who is is one of the main characters throughout the rest of the book i mean in, in this one just to sum up in the sewing season, he came through uh, a bit like Truman Dark did, a few of the others. He he found out through some tragic events uh, that he is connected to the events that happened in the late 1600s with the, uh, the Council of Eternal Light and this evil that they've unleashed. So he finds out how he's connected to it, but he's also, he loses his his wife, um she's abducted, she is returned to him, but not in the form that he recognizes her. So of gods and insects is his story for one in trying to to rescue his wife or even though he knows she's pretty much lost to him, she is pregnant with her unborn child. so he is it all the, the, this story really not to give too much away again, it revolves around this unborn child um, that is Jacob Crow's son. He finds out um and it's it's the council of eternal light want the baby jacob obviously wants to rescue the baby um but we we see this darker force lands in wildemore and the fun thing i had with this book is i was bringing in characters from my other my other books that i had written at the time that were separate to the wildemore trilogy and i I was—I just decided if this was going to reach a climax, I wanted these these characters involved as well. So I actually that uh, the the main sort of bad guy that comes in called the Trickor Jack is one that some listeners to this, if they're familiar with another one of my books, they'll know the tricker Jack is one of my most—I would say—favored characters that I've that I've created. So um, so one of my favorite highlights really would be that I, that I got to bring him into this to have a bit of fun as well. So what
0: inspired you to write of Gods and Insight?
1: Um I I needed an ending, obviously. I needed um I I needed to somewhere for this trilogy to go and for it to end up. Uh, when I was writing Acolyte, I knew it wasn't going to be just one book. I had way too much as, as it was writing itself, I had way too much story to cram into one. Um so by the time I got to the end of sewing season, it was all kind of starting to fall into places to where this was going but I actually went into the writing of gods and insects not knowing what the ending was going to be because I hadn't decided um, I just knew I just knew it had to be an ending worthy of having a trilogy for which was one challenge um, but this this book in particular like I said aside from me bringing in a couple of my other characters from my other books in I, I saw this more as a, a I had you know three four five different stories out there um and with me bringing these characters in I wanted to try and tie all loose ends up and just if I was going to have an ending to this trilogy I was going to have an ending to all of their stories as well and it was going to give me almost like a blank canvas to then run with after this that I could go in different directions with other stories and other characters I I mean in essence main inspirations behind it obviously yes the events that had happened in acolyte and sewing season they had to play a part in what's going to happen in this book but again it's it's a homage really to to my favorite um not just horror series and films you know there's there's a bit of there's a bit of james herbert writing in here again there's a bit of you know classic horror like friday the 13th halloween the the kind of threat sort of you know that, that exists in those but i also pulled threads or, or vague sort of storylines and twists that I liked that I got from from uh, films like Revenge of the Sith, which I think I've mentioned before um, series like prison break. I, I wanted there to be twists in this one, the more so than there had been in the other ones. Cause I didn't want the readers to predict where this was going, <laughs> which was fun because I had no idea myself, um, yeah. but yeah. So I, I, I pulled on, on the kind of things that I, that I, I got from reading those books or watching those tv series or those films that that had me wanting to carry on reading because i knew this one had to keep the the reader engaged really
0: so what are your challenges in writing
1: this book this book this this was probably the most challenging one i've touched on one already and that i was having to decide where it was going to end up um anyone who knows me while i'm writing a book knows how frustrated i get and the fact that i am i'm not able to I'm not able to decide on an ending. I'm I'm absolutely rubbish. I'm, I'm alright at padding out, starting a story, maybe padding out in the middle, but I'm absolutely rubbish when it comes to deciding. I'm finished, or or, or steering it in the right direction. Um, so th- the biggest thing here was, especially going into the writing of it, not knowing what my ending was going to be. That was that was number one. I had to really decide what was going to happen there. But bringing in this, this character of the trickor Jack um, was also massively challenging because i again it was only there was, there's one other book when we when we meet again to discuss my other book a necessary end i can elaborate on this more um there is a story that i wrote involving the tricker jack where i finished it on a line I, again didn't know how to finish it and a, a, a line he was going to say occurred to me and he was basically going he was announcing that he was he was going to to go to Wildermore um it was a place that people didn't know where it was and and this this was this was what was going to make this line particularly perfect because he was like yeah and you never will so meaning he's going to somewhere you don't you've never heard of and it won't exist after he's been there anyway because of what he was looking to do i had to justify why he was there again not just like these are two worlds I've created. And I want him to be in this one. I had to kind of give him a purpose. Why is he there? How does it tie in with all these, these other stories that I've written them into in the, in the, in the, the other books? You know, can I justify why he's there? Can I make it believable? Um, and there was a few other elements from other places that I wanted to reference in this one. And some would argue that, it was somewhat successful. I, I, I still wonder whether I did it the best of my ability. Um, I think I probably still left a few people scratching their heads at the end. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those where it seemed like a good idea at the time, but now I look back on it, I'm not sure if I did, you know, did it justice.
0: So does the book three of Gods and Insects energize was... you or exhaust you when you're writing
1: it? Did it, did it what, or what, what, or exhaust me, sorry?
0: Yes, I exhaust you or
1: <laughs> energize you. <laughs> oh, or energize me. Oh, I, t- I think I went through both. Um, no. I think at the end, I, I felt exhausted come the end. I mean, this is the biggest book I've ever written. Um, I've got it in front of me. How how long is this thing? So you're talking about 300, nearly 350 pages. Um, so it's, it's bigger than the other two. Um, I think there are that many twists and turns in it. I, when I was writing, I was taken along for the ride and it was really exciting, especially when I started to see these threads come together, you know, things that came up in the other two books that finally I could put, a, I could bring to a head and I can, I can sort of, you know, give an ending to, but come the end, I think, yeah, I felt exhausted that I'd, fi- I felt sad that i come to the end of it really, because I, you kind of feel like you belong somewhere when you've written about it for so long. Um but yeah no i i would say most of the writing definitely kept I me mean, you have to keep ener, you know keep energized with what you're writing otherwise there's no point doing it to be fair
0: so do you think there's a prequel of the apocalypse
1: trilogy <laughs> that's a really good question actually Funnily enough i was just about to say there is another trilogy in the works which is, is something i'm i started work on um right before covid that i had to put aside because i just i, I lost my I, I lost my concentration a little bit um, but th- that was actually a sequel trilogy. So a prequel trilogy, I don't know. I I have toyed with the idea of whether it whether I, I'd probably love to because I, I love the historical aspect um, that I brought into this. And I, there's definitely enough there that I could explore more. Whether it would need it or not, not sure. Um probably as a one off. I, I, I don't think I I would try doing another trilogy like Star Wars did, you know, um, and, and sort of over. I might have fun one day writing a single prequel to it. Might just make the, the historical part of it make a little more sense. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe, people. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold me to that. But, okay, you know.
0: yes. For all the three books, *Acolytes* and The Saling Season, Of Gods mm. and Insects, uh, what makes Of Gods and Insects the best?
1: I, I think I always love an ending. Um you know, and especially if you're looking at a series, everyone wants to see the finale. Again, whether it's a book series or a film or TV series, you know, you're you you are you along the way, you know, that probably get to the middle part and they're like, you know what, I'm not really sure what's happening, I'm no longer engaged, I'll put this down. You've got others that trudge through the hard parts because they want to know what happens at the end. And I think if you're going to read this trilogy, you almost you do need to make it to the end to sort of see what happens because I think you'll be surprised. Um, one thing I didn't want that to happen with this is that it would be predictable. I, I wanted there to be enough, and I think there is in, in *Of Gods and Insects*. Enough different things pop up that will surprise people. Um, and it's just the one I had most fun with. Like I said, you know, bringing bringing things in and people in that when I started writing it had absolutely no place. In this trilogy at all and just seeing how much it had morphed since i started writing acolyte to what it ended up as um i think you can see a real genesis of the story i think my writing matured along the way as well because of of other projects i was doing in between these books um acolyte can still be looked at as a little bit ropey it was my very first attempt but i think by *Of gods and insects you can kind of see the journey i've been going on as well um but I, I, also, I also think I've got to mention him again. He comes up in all of these, but your friend of mine, Richard Eyre, um, around the time that I was writing Gods and Insects, we were talking about potentially doing a like a crossover story with Minstrel from, from his um, Minstrel's Bargain and Trigger Jack from, from my books, from, uh, as, as you'll hear, this one and Necessary End. So there is a nod in this book as well to Minstrel's Bargain. There is a scene involving the trick-or-jack where he plays music. Uh, he's got he's got he's managed to coax uh, loads and loads of the residents of Wildermore to this massive mansion, this stately home that he's managed to commandeer in Wildermore. And um he uh he puts the music leads to them basically almost like just massacring each other. And anyone who's read Minstrel's bargain will know the effect of Minstrel's music. Um, what that does to people and I wanted that in this book just as a little nod really to this is this is a possibly a sign of what we could do and uh, I think it was just my kind of uh, tribute to the fact how much I loved Minstrel's bargain I, I needed to give Minstrel his own little his own little nod in there so that was fun.
0: Uh, of oh, yes. guys and insects what are the best uh, descriptions?
1: It is chilling. I'd say there's definitely more. This and the sewing, This is a lot like sewing season where it does get very, very dark. Whereas Acolyte, yeah, there's a few dark bits they did. Um, you know, some nasty stuff that happens. It really does step up a gear in these last two books. Um, it's um, compelling. Um, I like to think it keeps people wanting to read because, again, like I say, I've, I've put quite a lot of little twists in there that – that move the story along. It is very pacey one as well. There's a lot that goes on um, even though it's the biggest book, I think there's more action in there for sure. And um, I mean, getting towards the climax is is heart wrenching. Um, I'm not gonna say anything about it. You know, there are some characters in this that you really, really will feel for. Um, if you haven't felt sorry for them already, you you will really feel for where their story goes in this one. So, uh, so yeah, I'll go with those.
0: Okay, so how many days and months you wrote of Guns and Insects?
1: My average was about six months. That's kind of what the other two books took. I have a feeling this one possibly took a little bit longer. I'm trying to think where my life was at the time, because the time I had to write was all dependent on what was going on in my life, you know, what jobs I was in at the time. And um, I would probably say easily sort of six to writing, because I was more involved in this one um the actual editing part this is the only book of mine that i've not actually been involved in the the editing process until now um so i didn't lose any time doing that i i had a publisher at the time that took it straight on so they once i'd written it i just passed it over to them and then sort of within a, a couple of months they had it out you know out on sale so yeah yeah 69 months of my time sort of putting this together
0: so you think in your opinion The three books, Aquilites, and the Sowing Season, and Gods and Insect, you can condense in one novel.
1: That's another very good question. Again, something I have thought of. Um, I might have mentioned in one of our other chats that I've I've thought of putting them just both all of them together as they are into one massive volume, but I think it just would be too big. It's, It's it wouldn't be something that. Would appeal people to pick it up, I don't think, um with a bit of trimming down quite possibly it it would probably warrant it'd be the kind of size of a large Stephen King novel come the end um but yeah, I don't see why it goes it all goes together really well, you know it and the stand could have been broken down to separate books yet yeah, exists perfectly as one, so so yeah, yeah, with a little bit of tidying up. I don't know if I've got the time to do that, but one day maybe I could probably, yeah, I, I might be able to achieve that. <laughs> <We'll see.
0: laughs> you're given a chance, a movie contract and the movie outfit, one, only one of your uh, trilogy, which books would you like to sell?
1: Oh, just one of the trilogy. Yes. That's really hard. Um, because without, without the others, it doesn't really, I would say if you're going to do that, I mean, acolyte would be the more sensible option because I think the beginning of the story always makes more sense without the other parts, and it would leave on a bit of a cliffhanger. So that would be cool. I think for for, for pure entertainment value, I would like to see of gods and insects up there. Um, again, with a little bit of rewriting at the beginning, maybe a bit of uh, creative license in, in trying to explain what you've missed out on in the other two. Yeah, I definitely think there's there's probably a better entertainment value in in of gods and insects.
0: Do you think uh, the *Wildermore Apocalypse* trilogy is good for a movie or good for a series?
1: Yeah, a series for sure. That's that's sort of how I envisaged it. I think each book I viewed, I tried to view as a movie. But I mean, each as I was writing each book, the end of each chapter for me almost was the the end of an episode. That's how I like to finish my chapters. Is 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 these series that have really hooked me in where you get to an end of an episode and you're like, you know what? I want to binge the rest of it because I, I can't simply can't wait to find out what happens. Um, so yeah, definitely is a series. I, I, I would be lying if I hadn't sat, you know, said, I, um, if, if I, if I say I haven't sat down to, to plan out what each episode would look like and how it would break up. So I'd love to see that. Yeah. Again, anyone out there who has means of doing that, yeah. <laughs> pick up, pick up my books and see what you think
0: yes definitely we're calling uh <laughs> apple tv amazon
1: absolutely, uh, come on netflix, come netflix on. You need, of course. yeah you need, you need a bit more <laughs> variety out there guys you know so yeah. hulu. hulu i think <laughs> oh there you go there you go yeah yes. not one we've got over here but i'll be up for that absolutely yes. paramount plus come on there Nicole. you go there you go there you yes. go get the big guns in absolutely
0: So uh, let's shout out for the people listening in Trinidad and Tobago. Thank you so much. I'm number 16 on Apple chart. Of course, in United Republic of Tanzania, I'm number 24. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Of course, in Pakistan, I'm number 36. In Canada, I'm number 24. Lebanon at number 169. Namibia at number sixty-seven, Mexico number forty-four. Gracias, todos. Muchas gracias, Mexico. Of course, in Egypt at number forty-one. Salam alaykum, Egypt. Shukran, New Zealand. Thank you so much. In Taiwan at number eighty-nine, in Estonia at number eighteen. And thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. Chris.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely! Congratulations, by the way, that all these standings are fantastic. You know, it's, yes. uh, it's, it's, it's it's fantastic to hear. And yeah, I mean, thank you again for the opportunity. I uh, I really value these, um, you know, these episodes. I mean, for, for you, you know, bringing me on to talk about my work. I haven't done it enough. To be honest, I've spent a couple of years on my podcast talking with other people about their work, and I uh, I, I never really devoted a lot of time to delving into mine. So I'm really, really grateful for this. Yes. So
0: what else you can say about cats and insects?
1: Say so you go out and buy a copy. You can't actually buy it at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of teasing people with this, to be fair, because we've just spent nearly half an hour talking about a book you can't actually buy. You know, this one, it came out, it's not been seen for about four, probably nearly five years it was only out for about four or five months when I first released it. And then I went with a new publisher with the idea that they were going to put out the whole Wildermore Apocalypse trilogy. Um, unfortunately, they did the first two, but we never got to the point of putting up Gods and Insects out. So, so it's one that people won't know a lot about. But please, if you can be patient, um, this is coming in the new year. I'm actually at the stage now where I've I've re-released uh, Acolyte and the Sewing Season are both back out on the market now for Kindle on Amazon. Uh, Of Gods and Insects is the one that I am, like I said, I've got to go through and edit it all myself um, from the original manuscript. So it's going to take me probably, you know, a month or so, but I'm hoping, you know, um, by February time of Gods and Insects will be out there. So uh, so go out there if you've not read the others, if you want to grab the others and, and go through those while you're waiting. Hopefully you won't be disappointed when you get to the end, because as you'll see, it's far from over when you get to the end of the sewing season, you probably won't predict where this is going to go. Um, so yeah, there we go. So, uh, so hopefully in a, in a couple of months I can kind of deliver on this.
0: Yes. Let's support Mr. Chris. Uh, let's read the Voldemort apocalypse trilogy. So where do people buy your boots? <laughs>
1: Um currently they are just on Amazon. Like I said, I've just re-released them at the moment. Um, under my own publishing um title Dead Men's Tales. So you can find uh, Acolyte and the and the Sewing Season are on Kindle and they're available on Kindle Unlimited if you happen to be subscribers to that. Um on I think all of the Amazon sites. So wherever you are in the world, hopefully you can find a copy. Um I may well be moving. I, I'm going to look at moving back into sort of having paperbacks, maybe hardback copies, and and sort of moving beyond Amazon as well at some point. But it's it's not it's not going to be for a, while, a little while yet. So so if you if you've got a phone, if you've got a tablet, a Kindle, you know, I've made sure that you can you can grab a copy quite easily for your devices. Um, again, while, you know, whilst you wait for the physical copies. So.
0: Yes. If you're given a chance to modify all the three books, which books do you want to modify?
1: It's got to sound like a real U-turn, actually, but I would probably say of Gods and Insects, because there are, whilst there's so much in there I'm proud of, there are probably more, which is glaringly obvious that I, looking back on it now, um, I would probably tweak um bringing bringing my character of the of the or jack in was like i say one of the biggest challenges and something that i really wanted to do but it came out of it was born out of a story which technically doesn't exist anymore so his presence in Wildermore probably doesn't hold the same relevance it used to the book was originally released and the the book that referenced him going to Wildermore, which is called black gang uh the trick jack trail it's um we'll come on to talk about this next time it, that as a book doesn't actually exist because it got absorbed into what became a necessary end and that part of the story isn't really in there anymore so if I look back on it it's probably like I know what I know how it all came about I know what the or jack is doing there it's probably not as clear as it used to be so if I was given the chance and time to go back change any of it it would probably be some work around that which I could do while I'm working on re-editing the book I don't just don't know if I've got the resource to meddle with it that much to really change a lot of it um at the moment and I kind of want it to exist as it is it it exists as it was supposed to at the time which I think is important when you read all books they are they're like tattoos they are sort of a symbol of where somebody was at the time in their life Um, but yeah for me personally I would probably say, yeah, I, I could pick pieces out of this book that I would, I would fix more so than the others.
0: Very well said, Mister Chris. Again, let's support Mister Chris. You will read the reviews; it really uh, give you motivation to read them all. <laughs> it Absolutely. will haunt you the rest of your life. Okay, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening. And I want you to invite to listen to my other podcast. Food 101, uh, it's all about food, 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 people, It's number 12 of the best food podcasts on the planet, We talks about uh, different cuisine in the world, and uh, interviews, trivia about food, so please do listen, Food 101.
1: Okay, Mr. Chris. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. You know, I, I've had a blast talking about the world of apocalypse. But the next one, a necessary end, is, is is really where my heart lies. I will say. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got um, um, I, I I've got a little podcast network called Dead Men's Tales Podcast Network. Um, and there's four shows I've launched under it. The main one, which is most relevant to my my writing work, is called Dead Men Talk. It's the first series of the four that I launched about two and a half years ago in the height of COVID. Um, It it starts off, um, if you've enjoyed these episodes with me talking about my books, the first two series of me delving even deeper into each story that I've written. So these three books and the others that I've written, the short stories I've written, the characters I've come up with. Um, I've got episodes dedicated to each of those. And it then morphed into an interview kind of format. So I've, I've got on there, I've got other writers, I've got actors, musicians, Artists, they come on and talk about their work, what inspires them, sort of the stories behind their stories. So, uh, so that if, if you're a fan of this show, you know, and anything I've been talking about about my books, that's definitely um, where to start. And uh, if you're a, if you're a pro wrestling fan, I've got one for you as well called Once Upon the Turnbuckle. Um, but yeah, yeah, check out Dead Men Talk. It's it's just reached its natural end a few weeks ago. I I've decided, at least for the next year. I'm going to leave it where it is while I go back to my writing. So I might, I might have more to talk about on that yet, but um, it's, it's all available there. You can find it on anchor, on Spotify, on, on Apple, all the big ones. So, so yeah, yeah. Go check it out.
0: Yes. Let's support Mr. Chris, the books <laughs> and a podcast necessarily. And oh, wow, yeah. it's a horror <laughs> too. <laughs>
1: it is. It is. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun one. So. Uh, Fun for me, anyways.
0: (laughs) So being a writer of horror uh, novel, uh, what's the being difference of writing a horror from other genre?
1: Um, Well, I suppose the only only thing I've got to compare it with is I've written two children's books as well, which raises a few eyebrows when I sort of, you know, say I do horror and children's books. So taking those into, I mean, obviously, you've got to know your audiences. You can't get those muddled up. Um. I really don't, I mean, I, for me personally, I, I approach them the same in a lot of ways. You know, I, I the, the stories, the length of the stories, the topics and that might be completely different. You know, um, the kids books didn't take me as long to come up with, um, but it's really about, you've got to get your thought process in the right place. You know, with, with a novel, you've got a lot more planning. With kids books, you draw your inspirations from somewhere different, I know I did. You know, I, I was reading a lot of kids' books myself, um, so that that helped. But I mean, in terms of if I could put myself in someone else's shoes, writing sci-fi or or crime, I think the one thing that horror has is you've got to you, you've got to have the ability, you've got to have something in there which really brings a bit of a chill to the um, to the reader, and really something that plays on some kind of fear or makes them uncomfortable. I think that's the main thing. You've got to make your right your readers uncomfortable a horror writer if you want it to be successful. Because then they know they've got something that they're you know, that we're gonna to touch on other emotions than you do if you're trying to figure out who, you know, who the killer is and things like that. You know, it's uh, yeah, not wanting to read with the light off, I think is a uh, is is something I, I like to inspire my readers towards. You know, you, you have to keep the light on. If I've got stuff in there that makes them feel like that, you know, job done. So um, you go. Yeah, not many would say that. I say, yeah, absolutely. Make, make them uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: so, comfortable that once they read your book, they're going to hunt uh, the rest of their life. <laughs> that's it. I mean,
1: yeah, comfortable in the sense that they'll, they'll enjoy reading them and they want to read some more, but uncomfortable enough that they know they've got a book that can that can you know play on fear i think that kind of thing you know whether it's a fear you don't know you have uh, when we get to a necessary end there's one in particular there which a lot of my readers share and it's quite a quite a bit a, a out there and it's even one of mine and writing that was was fun for me because i got to almost invoke my own fear was out in the writing you know because i I was reading it from the perspective of someone who actually would have been scared out of their wits. So, yeah, yeah.
0: but yes, thank you, Mr. Chris, for your time. No problem. Thank well, you, bud. One, yes, once again, invite our listeners to buy your books.
1: I will get out of there, please. Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Not bye, as in goodbye. But yeah, go. Yeah, very, very readily available. Acolyte and um, Acolyte and Stone Season are out there. If you want to get ahead for the next chat, I'm going to have with you. Unnecessary End is out there as well. Um, if you you know if you want to do a bit of a uh, bit of reading ahead, but uh, yeah, go out there, give you know give them a whirl. Thank you, Mr. Chris. Thank you, Daniel. Cheers, bud.
0: Mighty come, people. See you soon.